And we are live. Welcome to the Home Lab Show, episode 15. We're going to talk about Nextcloud. And it's perfect timing. We planned this, and then Nextcloud has some updates. So, bonus. That was great. Yeah, I checked my news feed this morning when I um, first woke up. You know, my, my eyes are blurry. I'm just hoping to get some caffeine in my system. I checked the news. Oh, new Nextcloud. What a coincidence. We're doing the Nextcloud episode today. Yeah, we actually, I think Tuesday oh. is when we decided to do this. Uh, the circumstances of life occurred on Wednesday. So yeah. now it's Thursday. And yeah, I was just like, hey, cool. <laughs> yeah, it worked out really well. So I'm really happy to talk about Nextcloud. It's one of my favorite apps that you can host yourself. Um, so we're going to talk about that why you might want to use it, who's it for, what's the setup process like, the things I like about it, the things I don't like about it. Um, I'm sure Tom will have some thoughts too. He's set it up before, so yep. it's going to be fun. Yes, and where could possibly one host Nextcloud, either in your own server or maybe on Linode? Yep, they have a one-click uh, marketplace app for it, oh. um, which, is, which is great because if you just want to get it going, then you can get it going. And, um, you know, some people might ask, if, especially if they're new to the show, you know, why are you talking about a cloud provider? This is um, a show about home lab. Well, um, sometimes you're making an intelligent decision as far as what you want inside your network and what you want outside your network. And I've always had a mix of both. Yeah. And NextCloud is portable. You can install it wherever you want. And um, Linode has it as a marketplace app. You could just set it up. You could click on that. Um, you probably want an instance size. Um, I'll get to that later, probably two gigs or higher, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. But and Lenovo, Lenovo is a sponsor of the show. That's why I brought them up. Yep. So this is completely not hiding it. it if you're listening to the show, you've hit the website. You're yep. actually viewing this on Linode. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. We, the, this uh, entire operation for our uh, podcast here is on Linode and my entire operation on Learn Linux TV is on Linode. And um, honestly, I know you guys hear this a lot, but they're a sponsor of my channel and a sponsor of this podcast because we actually like it. It's not going to be one of those things. Oh, really? We have to use them as a sponsor? I guess I'll go along with it. But we really like it. And they have a, an amazing service. Um, I actually use it. It's like all the things that Learn Linux TV that are public facing are on Linode. Yes, it's it's a great service. Um, what do you guys say? We run this on there. We do have an offer code down below for the Home Lab Show. It's in the show notes. It's in the links. Uh, it'll get you started with there. And then, of course, like Jay said, they do have a Next Cloud installer, which takes some of the pain out. If you, I mean, hey, I, we're all for and encourage people to learn it all themselves. But if you want to try it and decide if you even want to play with this product, that uh, one-click install essentially the Linode makes it really easy to get deployed to at least play with it first. Um, yeah. I, you know, Autoscripts, I got a love-hate relationship with, and so does Jay. Like, I want to get something working really fast, but I also love understanding how it works. Right. But sometimes you just want to test it out and test drive it. So go ahead and use our offer code Linode, get signed yeah. up, and uh, take, take Nextcloud for a test drive. See if you like it and uh, start your learning path there. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the automatic methods uh, versus doing it manually. And like Tom said, I mean, I do it manually all the time. I like it. It, it gives me, it, it makes me understand it better, but also let's be honest, I have a YouTube channel. I'm not going to create a video that snap install next cloud, although we'll talk about it because yeah. that's all of like a two minute video, but um, you know, it is what it is. This is the, the type of uh, learning that we like and we like to host our own stuff. So it's yep. in good company. So we should probably start with defining what is Nextcloud. What is Nextcloud? So Nextcloud, it's it has a new name now, which I'll get to in a minute. But we're we're always going to refer to it as Nextcloud. So 
it's a suite of applications that you can install on your server. And there, you know, Nextcloud itself gives you the ability to have various apps. There's some that come with it, and there's others that you can, you know, basically install. And there's a ginormous number of apps. I mean, this isn't like your NAS, you know, that your NAS solution that has like 10 different apps you can install. I mean, we're talking, I don't even know how many, like there's a bunch. Um, everything from an ebook reader to uh, bookmark sync for your browser, there's calendar, there's uh, chat, um, all kinds of things. Now, don't go installing all the things that you see that are available. We'll talk about that too, but it's basically a hub of different apps. They named themselves or renamed themselves Nextcloud Hub, which is the new name as of version 18. And that makes sense because um, they're targeting enterprise and they're a hub or they're trying to be the hub that enterprises use for their uh, groupware, basically. And so basically, that's what it's for, generally speaking, enterprises and companies. But let's be honest, um, what apps do we host ourselves that are not intended for the enterprise and companies originally? And we're here just hosting it on our own stack in our house. Um, that's not stopped us before. And Nextcloud is used by a lot of people even people that are not part of companies that just want to de-Google. They just want their own um, online collaborative editing for their family or maybe just themselves. And they don't really want to um, have their data in a cloud environment that they don't control. Nextcloud gives you that. So that's why even though it's for companies, mostly um, it's great for us. Yes. The challenge is, I mean, we mean Jay talk a little about this like de Google filing your life. A lot of people use the collaborative tools provided by large cloud providers such as Google or Microsoft. Those all come with different pros and cons. One obviously is the fact that there are certain amounts of fees that maybe had to, uh, be paid to those companies. The other sacrifice may be if it's free, you're the product that is paid right. to those companies. Um, so you have the concerns of whether or not your data is privacy oriented, whether or not it's, you know, due diligence is being done about your privacy on there. These are all valid concerns that people have, which is pushing the popularity of Nextcloud. Exactly. And there's no judgment. If you if you like Google services, that's great. If it works for you, that's awesome. I think the best part of HomeLab is you can decide what you care about. Maybe virtualization is your thing and networking and, and stuff like that. That's what you want to focus on. You don't want to focus on your um, you know, office editing and email and all these other things. Let a company handle that. Or maybe you do care about that. You'd rather not let a company handle that for you. You want to take that under your helm as well. And as home lab people, we have full control to host whatever we want and not host whatever we really don't um, resonate with. So um, Nextcloud is a great choice for people that want to um, have their own collaborative editing, um, their own syncing utility. I, I, I don't think I mentioned that in the list of features I gave earlier, which I should have. That's a big one we'll talk about. So there's definitely a lot of great things about Nextcloud. Absolutely. And I see people co commenting, yes, you will have to deal with some certificates in there. Uh, we not only it, it's a challenge because you really want a valid cert when you're setting up Nextcloud. If you don't have a valid cert, it's it's definitely one of the challenges. Good news is I've talked about this before and I believe I have you done some videos on setting up certificates. Jay? I have a, at least a, a good one for HA proxy. I, I know I have. I, you know, now that you mentioned it, I think I probably should create a standalone video for Nextcloud or excuse me for Let's Encrypt. Um, but usually what I do is I set it up as part of the topic. So 
I'm going to be updating my next cloud video. I don't remember off the top of my head if I used Let's Encrypt to do SSL in that video. I could tell you that the new one will. I'm going to re be redoing it, but it's not going to be that different. Don't worry. Um, you can still use the video I have now for the newest version of NextCloud. Totally fine. Um, no need to wait. Um, it's just a minor update. But um, yeah, usually that's how I do it, just as part of the particular topic at hand. Um, but it's a great thing to have. In fact, you really should. Let's Encrypt is free. So why not? Yep. And uh, do they have that fully integrated now for doing the certificates in LexCloud or that's still a separate piece, isn't it? That's a good question. I don't know because sometimes, I don't know if this happens for you, I, I get so used to the manual way that I keep yeah. to check to see if it's automated. Like I saw um, TrueNAS at some point got the ability to do Let's Encrypt in its UI. It doesn't yes. integrate with Linode yet, unfortunately, but it's there and they snuck that in at some point and i and i i had this manual github um downloaded thing <laughs> that allowed you to you know set up let's encrypt that i now no longer need apparently so yeah, yeah. Um, they could i hope i hope they do that would be a great thing to have absolutely now one of the things i like about it is it kind of forces you to think about security and backups but not in a way that i feel is mundane uh, at least for me i've always felt like Nextcloud, it might be a little complicated sometimes, but it's not like a Google search is going to steer you wrong. 99% of the time, I find whatever I need on a Google search probably within 15 minutes, and someone's already run into it. So th they have a security scanner, and we'll talk more about security later. But it um, causes you to think about those types of things. And it's kind of fun to use Nextcloud and then think about but what, what am I not doing so well that I could tighten up when it comes to security? And it's, it's great to see how um, you can modify it. Um, for example, which versions of TLS are you supporting? Maybe it's time to just play around with that and sunset some of the older versions in Apache and so on. Um, but we'll get to that. And one thing I want to talk about is sync, synchronizing files. This, at least when I first started um, with own cloud, which is what it was previously. Long story. I'm not going to get into into that. Yeah. Now. there's a history you can um, find on that. Just if you, there you know, is yeah. how the own cloud transition net cloud. There's some good reading you can do on that. It's a rabbit hole, though. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is. Speaking of rabbit hole, um, one of the versions of my book, Mastering Ubuntu Super, not the newest one. It's good. Trust me, uh, an, an older <laughs> version, either the first edition or the second edition. I, I think it was the first edition. I was um, showing how to set up own cloud and they changed the name like right as it was going to press. Like mm. if I was just a week earlier, I could have um, did a find and replace because at that time, that's all yeah. it was. Um, but that's when you cover tech like Tom and I, we uh, we have to sometimes just go back and redo things sometimes. Um, yep. Yeah. Anyway, um, so synchronizing files, that was the thing that most people talked about. Like, yeah, you can edit documents collaboratively. But everybody was really excited about the syncing. And it's not the core feature, but it kind of seemed like it because that's what everybody was talking about. And um, I don't use it for that. I use SyncThing. That's always been my tried and true. But it's there's nothing wrong with the NextCloud Sync, in my opinion. It does have bad reputation. If you search for NextCloud Sync, you'll probably still find people complaining about it, but it's from a while back. And th those complaints are valid. It was bad. It was unreliable. You probably were going to have some data loss, uh, duplicated files. 
um, all kinds of shenanigans going on with that. But after a while, it um, stabilized. And I actually used it for syncing everything for about a year. The only reason why I stopped is because I like the fact that sync thing is, you know, do one thing, do one thing well, it syncs. That's all it does. I kind of like that being standalone and not yeah. dependent upon NextCloud. Um, but again, there's no problem. I didn't run into any issues. It was solid. So um, whatever issues they had that resulted in their bad reputation, I feel personally, unless they have new bugs, it's it's pretty solid now. Yeah, and that's one of the challenges. I did a video, and people say I'm comparing apples and oranges, and in some way I am, but I, I was actually just making the use case why sync thing is how I do a lot of things. And granted, it's because it's a very focused, particular way of synchronizing things. It's not the um, everything that Nextcloud offers. So one of the reasons, and we don't need everything that Nextcloud offers, at least my needs in my business are not for that. So uh, it comes on the use case. And if you only have a need for syncing, Nextcloud is kind of overkill for doing it just that way too. Uh, right. So if you go, you know, all I really want to do is synchronize four different people, uh, four different systems in this data next time may or may not be the right choice for that. It's like, cause it has a lot of other great features that we're going to cover. Um, yeah. But it's not as narrowly focused as something like sync thing. Correct. Yep. And I think the apps that they offer are great. There, there's, there's just an overwhelming number. I mean, it's almost like you get like when I got a smartphone for the very first time and then you go to the app store, it's not like that. I mean, there's not like tens of thousands of apps or anything like that, but it's just kind of like, Ooh, I could try this. I could try that. And that looks cool. It's like being a kid in a candy store again, right? Just um, have all these things and um, it's fun. But and I think that's a great thing. I really do. And I, I think anyone who installs NextCloud should check those apps and, and just see what's being offered. But I will caution you guys, though, because it's not all rainbows and all this other stuff when it comes to apps. There's some quirks. Um, and I ran into one today. Um, so it'll tell you in NextCloud if something is tested or not. It'll tell you that, like it'll tell tell you untested or something like that in the in their little app store. It might still work if you click on it and install it anyway. It also might prevent Nextcloud from working at all, um, which is what happened to me today. Um, I wanted to check out the ebook reader, which is a, um, or at least it was a really great app where you can have all your ebooks on your Nextcloud server, which is great since it syncs files, perfect fit. And then it just, you know, P EPUBs, PDFs, whatever you have, it'll keep track of like where you were, you know, your notes, where you left off, everything you want in an ebook reader. And it's like in Nextcloud. So you don't have to worry about which computer was I reading that book on? Which computer has my bookmarks? Well, it's Nextcloud. It's all there. So I installed that, even though it said untested, it, um, it broke everything. Um, I <laughs> I went into the apps folder. Like you can't even disable it because you can't even log in anymore. You can't even access the UI. So I would like to see separation here where if an app is making it so that you can't access anything that it it's sandboxed in a way that it's not going to bring everything crumbling down. So um, what I did is I just used SSH, got it in the server, went into the apps folder and deleted the folder for that particular um, app. Um, which causes an inconsistency because the UI says it's enabled. Well, it's, it doesn't exist. You can't enable something that doesn't exist anymore. So I had to click on disable and then everything was fine. Um, it almost makes me think like if you're using this in like production at a company in an enterprise, you probably should have like a sandbox version where you could test the apps first. But the other problem is that when you install a .0 release, it takes the, the developers of the individual apps some time to actually catch up all the apps. So you might not want to update 
to a major version right away. You definitely should keep it updated for security reasons, but you might be able to wait till dot one if there's no like um, security issues, at least wait a few weeks if you can. Right. Um, just to kind of see which apps have been updated and which apps have not been. Um, when you update it, it will tell you that it's disabled some apps that haven't been updated yet for the new version. So keep that in mind. That being said, I know I just gave you guys a lot of downsides about apps, just trying to warn you, it's fine as long as it's a tested app and you just um, pay attention. There's a lot of great apps and I think that's um, an amazing feature to have all those. Yes, it, it's you can also look at the apps and figure out whether or not they've been updated to work with the yep. if there's a major release as well. Um, this is one of those things that people don't realize is is this is complicated. And this yep. is often why companies choose to run just the Microsoft SharePoint or Office 365 or G Suite is because there comes a point and you know, I'll be straight up honest for my business. We use G Suite. And the reason we use it is because we're spending so much time maintaining other systems. I didn't right. want to add to the burden of maintaining a system, especially because we use a lot of shared documents with external vendors. I need someone else and Google has so far been a good steward of being on top of that security layer for their business suite in order to take care of that. These are, you know, it's not that you can't run it yourself. You just have to decide where your commitment level is. Do you want to commit to uh, maintaining it? These are just a couple of business thoughts I have when people say, why isn't this deployed at every business? Um, And we've given businesses quotes on maintaining NextCloud and they're like, wait, it costs money to maintain it. I thought I could bypass all this Google stuff. I'm like, no, someone has to maintain these servers for security and patching. Therefore, there's still costs associated with right. it. So those are just considers things to consider when you're thinking about this as a product. Yeah, I agree. And I think that for a lot of people, the complexity is a good thing. I know it sounds weird, but I do. So I'm not talking about complexity like running your own mail server, which you shouldn't do. We've talked about that. Yeah. Not on that level. It's nowhere near on that level. We're not trying to say, oh, it's so hard. It's like taking calculus. No, it's nothing like that. It's not like taking calculus. It's um, literally um, pretty straightforward. There's videos like mine, for example. There's tutorials. If you're good at following instructions, you'll get it set up. But the complexity, what I like about it is for people that are in IT or more importantly, trying to get into IT or their lower level, trying to get advanced level, This causes people to think in an enterprise IT way, meaning how, you know, how do, how do enterprises deal with this type of thing with any app? It's usually um, there's a new version that comes out. So they'll clone the production one or have a production clone that's, you know, updated every now and then, and they can update the clone to the new version. They could test the apps, the use cases, they have test cases documented that they can go through. Um, just to make sure everything works, everything works. They, they've already done the update. So they've, you know, listed out all the steps that they had to do to update the sandbox version, go to production, maintenance window time, let's get it updated. You know what to expect. And it kind of trains, you know, non IT people or entry level IT people to adopt that mindset, which is used in enterprises. And then as always, if your boss ever comes to you is like, yeah, have you heard of NextCloud? Should we be using that? It's like, let me tell you about NextCloud. I run that at home, actually, and I will show you right now. I will VPN it to my home uh, office, and I will just show you what it looks like, and you'll pitch it. And so, great. Well, one of the other things, too, I, I see a lot of popularity with NextCloud in the European market because the dependence on the two big major players in that space, of course, would be the fact that there are, well, three if you count Dropbox, but the major players in that space are all U.S.-based companies. And some of the European areas, like, you know, 
that we're not a big fan of this. And we've worked and consulted on different companies in Europe. And that's where I've actually seen some of them massively deploy this. The other thing for risk mitigation is, of course, you can lock this all behind a VPN. So only the people you're the friendliest with and are willing to give VPN access are able to do it, whether that's internal or external uh, contractors or staff members and employees. It's just, you know, all the little considerations of it, of that data privacy. Yeah, exactly. Also, when it comes to Microsoft, um, I don't want to make this the anti-Microsoft podcast. <laughs> just a personal, a personal story was, um, I won't say the name of the company because I don't think I can, but a, a certain company that I worked with uh, quite a while ago um, had, you know, probably thousands of employees and, you know, thousands of installations of Microsoft Office. You probably already know where I'm going with this. And they had this situation, I forgot what you call it, but you have to true up or something like you have this like if you have more seats than you paid for, you just yeah. pay the difference or whatever. But they were very, very late on that. And um, they had an audit, failed it. And Microsoft was like, yeah, we, we're going to sue you. Yeah. Um, right. And even though they're like, well, we'll make it right. Just just let us know. Sorry about that. They have <laughs> responsibility for it. They're like, yeah, you're right. We're sorry. We should have kept up on that. W- what do we owe you? We'll even it out. Oh, no, it's too late. We're, just, we're suing you. And a lot of companies would be like, yeah, okay, fine. Um, we'll pay the settlement or whatever, and then we'll we'll get it all squared away. They're like, uh, no, F Microsoft. We are just going to de-Microsoft everything. And um, <laughs> as a result of that, which is not common, most people would just pay it because change is hard. Um, but that's, you know, that sometimes frustrates companies into trying something like this because it's like, maybe we don't have to deal with that. Um, yeah. Who knows? Maybe Microsoft is nicer now. So that was a no. So let's give them the benefit <laughs> of the doubt, or let's not. <laughs> I'm as Tom alluded to here. Um, yep. It is what it is, right? right. Um, as a business person, you make a decision. What's yeah. the platform of choice? And that's a consideration yep. there. So, where do you install it? So Ooh. this is yes. a, kind of a big topic. And I already see like comments in the live stream. You know, I, I, there was an individual Lexi. They had it running there. Someone mentioned the Docker container. Um, you, you can install a snap package on Ubuntu and any distro that supports snap packages. Um, next, or excuse me, TrueNAS has a plugin. Um, you can install it in VirtualBox. I mean, what do you do here? So we already mentioned Linode is an option, um, but we need to talk about the requirements before we can even talk about where to put it. So yes. um, NextCloud recommends, they recommend, let me see here, um, and this is weird to me. They they recommend a minimum of 128 megabytes of RAM. Um, raise your hand if you have a Linux server with 128 megabytes of RAM. Um, uh, does anyone? Um, the, the thing is, their their minimum recommended amount of RAM is 512, excuse me, 512 megabytes. I disagree with all of that. I, I just, they need to update that. Um, you probably want minimum one gig, preferably two. I'm, I'm guessing um, minimum one core, obviously can't have lower, fewer than one anyway. Um, comfortably, probably depending on how many apps you have, whether you have the Office Collaborative Editing, you probably want more. I would say people can just start with one CPU, one gig of RAM, kind of look at the load average and um, run HTOP, kind of see how it's responding. Is it slow? Is it constantly peaking out? Then maybe you might want to go to you know two gigs of RAM, um, if you start adding the collaborative editing, you're going to need to have more. So you got a little, you got to play around with it. So if you're running it in Linode, this means that as you step up, you are using a higher instance size at a higher cost. So that will give you a determination as far as where you should install. Right, it. and it should always be reminded. And this is not 
just a next cloud issue, but the difference between your minimum recommendations are functional versus usable. Functional is what the minimum tries to meet. We can make this right. run on this minimal functionality. And if you really want it to work and perform well, so you get into usability, that's where you have to increase the amount of memory and resources you have dedicated to this particular project. So this is just, this, and this is one of those things, they want everyone to try it. So they put these minimum 120 megs RAM. Surely you have something old that will run this. Unfortunately, that sometimes creates a bad user experience because if you try running this on something that's underpowered, you'll go, wow, this feels like a really sluggish slow app it doesn't feel as smooth yeah. as it could be go back to you know functional versus usable i would even argue though that 128 megs of ram if that's what your server has i mean you're just asking for the out of memory killer to kill next cloud yeah like, i can't even imagine it running for long um just a personal opinion i haven't tried to run it on 128 megs but um, I just upped the instance size of mine to four gigs because I have all kinds of craziness going on mine, probably more than most people. But, um, you know, you just kind of keep that in mind, look at future growth and whatnot. But anyway, the question was, where do you install it? And here I am talking about requirements. Well, you we have yep. to get that out of the way. But um, there's, there's kind of this one thing that I have to mention first that's important to remember. NextCloud is not an application you can let go unupdated. You absolutely right. cannot. And that's true of all the apps you'll host, especially if it's publicly available. The next cloud is a target. People are looking for this. They're they're wanting to, you know, if there's a vulnerability in NextCloud and it's publicly available, they're gonna try. Um, there was a time in the past where the next cloud developers were angry at Debian because the version of in Debian was too old. Well, that makes sense. You you really can't have that be too old. It's it's potentially public facing. So um, just keep in mind that you do want the latest version. You don't necessarily have to go to like dot zero the day or the week it came out, but you do have to keep it updated. And that's one of the problems here because depending on where you get NextCloud from, um, you might not have the latest version. As of recording time, it's version 22. That's what we're up to today. Um, maybe in a few months, we'll be up to 23. I don't remember how often they release, but um, they they put out point releases all the time. And they're not just point releases that are like two or three fixes. I mean, look at the change log. I mean, I don't think I've seen one that had fewer than 20 plus uh, fixes on each. It's, it's serious. They're doing some real development here. So when I look at um, TrueNAS and other things like Snap Packages, um, one time I had a comment on my channel, why don't you just use a snap package? At that time, it, the snap package was two major versions behind or more. That's that's crazy. Um, that is, you're just asking for trouble. You're painting a bullseye on, your, on yourself. As of today, it's not that far behind. It's like version 21, the previous major version, still behind, not as behind. It's just a few point releases behind. And that's true of um, the snap package and... Uh, the plugin in or jail and TrueNAS, they're they're yeah. all they're both behind. I don't really expect either one to have version twenty two the same week it came out. But they're also and, you know, point releases behind though, that's not good. Right. And that's what's really important because the point releases sometimes when they fix security updates, it's how fast can this be rolled out and mitigated. So if you're using something like the FreeNAS, a uh, TrueNAS specifically, the jail system, uh, which is in TrueNAS, and this is why I know there's a lot of excitement about the TrueNAS scale because it does base them on Docker and the Docker images do seem to be more maintained. Does NextCloud themselves actually release a Docker image or is it still third party? I don't remember. Um, I'm, I'm sure somebody in the live stream will, will tell me I haven't looked in a while. I know a lot of people do run it via Docker. 
but as far as whether or not it's official, um, I'm not really sure. Um, and someone just mentioned that Manjaro has version uh, 21.02, which which I believe that's just one point release behind. Um, not the worst thing. It's a rolling release. So if you're doing a di distribution package, it's not the end of the world. It'll be updated. Debian, not rolling. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can install it. I think I it, like the manual. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so it does a quick, quick clarification. I did Google real quick while this went to Docker, and it does appear to have a official, it has a little star next to it. So, yes. <laughs> well, great. Well, then I trust it more in that case yes. because the problem I run into is that you can have a plugin in TrueNAS or wherever, and it's up to date. Everything's great until it's not. You know, life intervenes. The person who maintains it has something else that they need to take care of. They can't get around to it. And um, you know, sometimes people get burned out. There's all these different reasons. You do have to keep an eye on it. Um, I like manually installing it. It's just my favorite way to do it. You yeah. get full control. You learn more about it, and you can fine tune it better. Um, if you want to try the snap package, go right ahead. I'm, I guess what I'm worried about is while they're not terribly behind right now, what's it going to be like six months from now? Are they going to be right. still a major version behind? I don't know. It just becomes something, once again, a reminder that needs to be kept an eye on. Uh, and by the way, the reason I, I didn't say this years ago as much, and I say it much more now, and, and that's because the security landscape has changed. Home users and home lab people are now part of the attack vector that comes along. Yep. So I say it a little bit more today here in 2021 because there's a just absolute amazing amount of uh, bots out there looking for exploits and pushing it that really didn't, it, it existed in a small scale before. It's such a big scale. It's one of the reasons when we talk about a product, we talk about if it's public facing, it has to be really well maintained or you'll become yeah. part of that problem. Right, right. And you also have to make the decision, make it publicly accessible or not. Um, in yep. my opinion, never, unless you have a very good reason to just keep it Keep it behind your firewall. Don't even let it be exposed. And if you want it to be exposed, just set up a VPN, keep the VPN up to date and secure, uh, two-factor authentication, all that stuff. Um, keep it behind your firewall. It's better unless you have a reason, especially if you are working in enterprise IT and you do need to have it publicly available, I'll leave that up to you. But getting back to the topic at this point in the podcast, how do you install it? So yes. I just gave you the reasons why I don't recommend you use plugins. Um, so manually installing it, it it's kind of hard to explain it without it sounding like a tedious pain in the butt, but it's not. It, it, if you could copy and paste commands, you're fine. And you could, like I mentioned, you could watch my video or even just avoid my video and just go to the wiki article for my video and just copy and paste the commands there. There's many other blogs out there. People have done the same thing. They've uh, identified the steps for setting it up, what it usually involves is downloading a zip file of the latest version of Nextcloud, extracting it on your server. You just change the ownership of all the files to the web server user. So you would have installed Nginx or Apache, which are the two that are supported. And usually like on Ubuntu, it's www-data is the user. Just make sure it's owned by the right user. Put it in the place where your web server serves files. You have to set up a database. I use MariaDB, there's others. You set up a database, create a database user and allow the database or, or you know set, set it up in Nextcloud for it to log into the database and it'll populate it. There's gonna be some additional packages to install for various tweaks and fixes that I won't get into. And then finally you set up uh, Let's Encrypt to give you that SSL certificate 
and away you go. And then from there, the first thing I recommend most people do is set up email alerts because it'll let you know when there's updates. So um, just go in there and make sure that's enabled. And the second thing I recommend everyone do is go into the overview inside settings because it'll give you like a quick, um, it's not really a scan, but it detects a lot of the common problems and yes. common things that most people forget. So you just kind of keep fixing the things. There's going to be like two or three there. And you yeah, just it. common environment variables that to make sure that they're all set properly. Um, yep. You know, those few little detail settings. But I really like that they built that in. So it kind of says, hey, look, you've left this open or that open and this set like this. Yep, exactly. It's just great that they gave that, give that to us. And also there's some tweaks for performance. Everything might be fine, but then it'll say something like, you know, it's going to run a heck of a lot faster if you... Um, do this or enable that, install this package. It'll give you that info, which is pretty cool. Um, and I like that. So the other thing that you can consider doing is setting up Office because, I mean, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, isn't that built in? No. Um, I mean, a lot of things are, you know, you have your calendar, you have your file sync and everything. You can store your Word documents there. Click on a Word document. What's going to happen? It's going to try to download it. It's not going to open it by default unless that's changed. I don't think it has. There's instructions in most of the how-tos for setting up the Collabora Docker container. And what that'll do is give you that collaborative editing. So that's another thing that you have to set up. Not hard, just a few more steps. Gives you collaborative editing. And you can then open your, your Word documents, Excel files, whatever it is, right in your browser, just like you can in Google Docs, and edit them there. Someone else can join in and edit too. Um, I like that a lot. It, it's really great to have it, but you have to add it. They don't give that to you. Um, you have to add it just like they don't give you the web server. You have to add Nginx or Apache. They don't give you the database server. You have to add, you know, Postgres, MariaDB, whatever you use. So sounds involved. Honestly, I find it fun. I really do. Yeah. It, it's not over the over your head too much. It's just follow the instructions, make it a weekend project. I think that's the key here. It's a weekend project. Have some fun, set up Nextcloud. It's a great piece of software. Absolutely. It's it, it lets you touch a lot of different things. You can learn how to set up a database, how to set up a web server, uh, DNS. We can't forget DNS because you probably want to have a path that gets to your Nextcloud as opposed to accessing it by IP address. So you have to have a little DNS knowledge shown in there as well to get it working properly. And of course, a lot more DNS knowledge if you want to make sure you have it publicly available where you have to match with the wildcard certificates. That's correct. So, and also you want to have a static IP or a static lease if it's in your LAN, because you don't want it to get a different IP. I mean, yes. that goes with everything. And then if it's external facing, of course, update your DNS provider accordingly, like Tom mentioned. Um, if it is publicly accessible, and this is important that everybody that wants to use Nextcloud bookmarks this site, scan.nextcloud.com. Bookmark that. It'll do a, not, not a, like a complete security scan, of your instance, but it will give you like more security checks than the one that's built in, like in the interface will give you. So you go to that URL, you type in your uh, DNS address for your Nextcloud instance. It'll run some scans. It'll give you some um, suggestions if there are any for how um, you can improve the security of it. So you absolutely should do that if you run it externally or if it's externally available, that'll just give you some extra information and some more tweaks that you can make to make it more secure, very important. Um, and that's uh, what that'll give you. Again, is scan.nextcloud.com. That's the URL for that. Uh, make sure you bookmark it. So 
that was a lot of information. So I want to make sure I'm not making it sound like um, I'm turning people off of it, right? Because I'm telling you to be careful of the apps you install and setup is involved. It's still a great thing to set up because I think what you end up with is great. Um, the apps, as long as you just, you know, don't install things that are untested unless you have the ability to roll back as you should anyway. Uh, just just keep it up to date. Every now and then you could go into your next cloud. It's very easy. You could just click the update button. Make sure you back it up first. I haven't had an update fail probably three or four major versions at least, but there was a time period where yeah, you're kind of gambling updating. I don't know, Tom, if you remember this. I was in your studio one time and I was there. I'm, I'm gonna click, I'm gonna click the update button. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, um, it failed. Um, but again, I haven't had it fail in a long time. And it's cool that they have the updater right there in the um, in the console. You can log in and click the update button. You could go on the enterprise track, stable track, beta track. So you can beta test releases. You can go to stable, which I don't think will give you the latest dot zero, maybe dot one or something. Enterprise is going to have a slower a number of updates. You can make your decision as far as which one you want to be on and then update it whenever it comes time. Yes. Um, the other thing too is someone asked about where you should put it in your network. And let me expand on that. Mm -hmm. uh, you in the event that your next cloud was taken over, you should treat it like anything else. Whenever you can put these on separate pieces of the network and the term is lateral movement is what you're trying to avoid. So in the event that there's a flaw in next cloud and uh, an unfortunate thing happens where they take over and, gain access to your NextCloud server, what is adjacent to that server on that network segment they could have access to? Well, maybe a lot, maybe a little. This is where you have to decide when you're putting it somewhere, where is the best place to put that? Um, this is also why at the beginning we mentioned hosting it in somewhere like Linode. The problem that Linode or any cloud hosting provider can solve, one, it's not on your network, so it's not reliant on your systems. What if you have a power outage? Do you have redundancy? Is that something that matters? Do you have to maintain a level of uptime because you're collaborating with NextCloud with someone else? Uh, this is some of the advantages of having it in a cloud. And also, if it is breached in a cloud, it's much more limited than happening inside of your own network. So you're like, man, they got a hold of my cloud server. They didn't get a hold of a server inside my network that was adjacent to lots of other things that they could have pivoted onto. Uh, so these are a couple of decision points that you have to think about when you're putting it in. But generally speaking, if you're going to host it yourself, lock it down internally um, yep. and keep it as much as you can. This goes for each segment you have of your network. The more you don't allow the potential for lateral movement between the devices, the better off you are. So you can say they breached the network NextCloud was on. Not the not the network that all my stuff was on. <laughs> yep, and that, yeah, that's very important. Set up a firewall. Um, pr preferably, set up the firewall if you are lucky enough to be able to have access to a static IP. You could just make NextCloud only accessible to your home IP, even if mm -hmm. it's on a cloud provider. That's great. If nothing else, make sure that SSH and it goes with anything you host, not even NextCloud specific. Make sure SSH is not within reach of the internet. Um, so for example, like mine is going to be open to the world for port 80 and port 43, but SSH, no, that, that's not open to the world on other things that are protected. I just don't want that internet. So just make the logical decisions here and your database server, because it's part of the process of setting that up, never make your database server externally available unless you're, unless you own a company that offers managed database services for other people. I can't personally think of any other reason why to make a database server externally available, in my opinion. Maybe I haven't seen the use case yet, but I just haven't. 
Um, just, just make sure that's locked down and that people can't log in from the outside. That's important as well. Um, there's all kinds of security tweaks that you can make, but I think the, um, those things will get you going. Yeah, that'll get you going on it. Just that segmentation. And also uh, someone asked about like the problem, if you're not able to publicly host things because you're behind a NAT or a CG NAT. Um, yeah, this is another reason that you, the, some of the two options really are building more complex VPNs so you can bounce off a public IP to get back internally. There is uh, actually what level one text has a good write up on how to use like uh, cloud-based proxying back to local. Another option that's much simpler is looking at zero tier. Yep. Uh, it's a great option for building your own network. They Their, their free version of their platform uh, actually is pretty scalable uh, even for home users. And you can just assign NextCloud on your zero tier. And then even when you're not in your own network or anyone else you share your zero tier with would be able to then access the NextCloud server. So I, I, that's another solid solution for uh, working around it. That's a powerful solution, though, because zero, zero tier, you could basically have your own little, you know, let's just say, for example, if, if you're starting a company, you could even have like all of your company services behind zero tier and invite the people yep. that work for you and not everyone else. Or even if you're not a company and you just have like family members that you want to share pictures with or something like that, which Nextcloud can also do, then you could just invite them in there. Here you go. Log in. You can get the family pictures from our vacation last week um, or whatever it might be. And other people just use it as a drop point for people to upload files. Um, a company I do business with, I just send video files to them. Like I just drop it in there. They get it. There's all kinds of use cases here. I think that's what makes it the most exciting. Absolutely. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else we haven't touched on, because I, I think it's a very expansive topic, and I'm sure there's a lot of things we haven't covered. But I don't think this is one of those things that you can cover everything, because there's there's so many great features and different services. I mean, I just found out about the scan.nextcloud.com like a month ago. I couldn't even tell you how long that's existed, but it it's there. That's something I've discovered recently. Um, there's all kinds of ways to make the performance better. Um, and that's why I like Nextcloud because it just it's a perfect gateway to the life cycle of a Linux server, managing updates and security. It, it it's a fun project because it touches on so many different topics all all in one setup when you start building it. Um, but there's there's probably more tutorials that can be done. I don't think they lend themselves as well to a podcast format. For those of you right. that may have commented on this before about our podcast, we try to keep this to a non-visual medium. This is dedicated right. towards a podcast and we do have, and as and Jay specifically has some Nextcloud tutorials uh, and videos he's done on this, which will be linked down below in the show notes, but they're easy enough to find over on Learn Linux TV that do visually and step-by-step -step procedurally walking you through how to get Nextcloud configured. And I'm working on a new way, I'm trialing a new way when I do this new version of the video, which, which again, it's going to be a while. It could be a month from now. Um, I'm just going to let everyone know. But, you know, to make it easier to update every now and yes. then a new version, just, you know, I could redo the B-roll, just do a minor update. It's not like you have to redo your next cloud every time I do a video. You can watch the current one and you won't even need to watch the new one when it comes out. It's only for the people who haven't gotten around to it by then. Um, and, and Tom has videos about, you know, a lot of the networking things that we talk yep. about here um, and firewalls and security. The segmentation, how to build rules, how to segment your network. And of course, I've got videos on zero tier for those of you that want to dive into what is zero tier. It's actually kind of a fun way to build out some of your lab. Like I said, everything that goes into XCOW can help you. If you're looking for a project that touches a lot of different things uh, that we've talked previously during the last 
14 episodes. <laughs> right. So basically just have like two browser windows open tiled, have like Tom's channel on the left, my channel on the right, and then like go you know, set up the network infrastructure with Tom and then the apps that I go through. Um, I think that it uh, will get you going, especially with zero tier. We both have videos on that. So um, just, just, you know, yep. flip, flip a coin, right? <laughs> yeah. Watch both. So, you got time for that, right? Just watch all of our videos. <laughs> Every one of them. Uh, and I, I seen a couple of you mentioned, and it's not something I've dove into is the open office Calabra server. I, it's an add on for next cloud. Is it not? Yeah. That's what I was referring to a little bit earlier. It's called code, which I literally just two hours ago discovered what that stands for collaborative online development edition. I think it is. Um, yeah. It's sweet. There's another one. I can't remember that you can install, but I, basically there's going to be like, for example, with Nginx and Apache, you're going to end up with two um, config files. Like normally you have one config file for your site. You have one for Nextcloud, one for the collaborative editing feature because it's a Docker container and it's going to be embedded inside Nextcloud. It's not going to be externally available though. It's not like you have this Docker container that's within reach of the internet. It's local host on the server, but then Nextcloud will expose it in when you, know, when you click on the, um, like a document. But it's not going to do that by default. You have to add that. And by adding the collaborative editing, you're also increasing the memory requirements as well. So that yes. 128 megabytes, you might be able to get away with it. You will not get away with that if you start adding containers to it. So um, right. just keep that in mind. The, that is something that I've seen people asking in, a, in the comments here for tutorial on. It's going to come down the road. I think that product is still under probably a lot of development. And I don't know anyone, and that includes me, of course, that's actively using it, which also is why I create tutorials on things that I use actively. Um, mm -hmm. So I haven't really actively used that. So it kind of, yeah. So sorry, I, I, it's not that yeah, we don't I, want to. It yeah. just may not happen soon. <laughs> I did use it for a while, though, of, of over a year ago. Not heavily, but I, I would say fairly regularly for just basic things like a quick edit to a document. There'd be documents I would have done on my desktop in LibreOffice, for example, that were synced up there. And I needed like a, you know, correct some spelling or something. I've never had a problem. I just open it up. I, I make whatever adjustment and save it. I can't speak about um, Microsoft Office compatibility. That's kind of like the big elephant in the room. It's... Um, what I find, generally speaking, and I'm going to try to simplify this because this is a debate that could be an entire episode. A lot of people will say that the compatibility between LibreOffice, for example, Microsoft Office is really bad. But also distributions like Debian give you the oldest version of LibreOffice they can, which doesn't have all the new compatibility for Microsoft Office. So I don't really feel there's as big of a problem as people think there is, especially if you're using up-to-date software. But when it comes to um, NextCloud, you might run into compatibility issues. You might not. Microsoft is always, um, you know, futzing with um, office suites for some reason, um, complicating it, making it hard for other um, competitors to uh, get the compatibility dial down. Uh, your mileage, your mileage may vary, but I think it's probably going to be fairly solid. Yeah. The, the, uh, the product overall is solid, so we'll definitely say yep. that. So <laughs> we'll leave you the, we'll leave you with that. So I think we've covered. I was running to my head, to make sure we had everything covered in our notes here. <laughs> One thing I, I'll touch on briefly, though, as we go, because I, I can't believe I didn't mention this earlier, because I did kind of allude to contacts and calendar. But what this gives you, though, is that you could have an Android phone, for example, and you could turn off the sync. I don't know if you could still turn off the sync. I know you at least used to, and have it sync to your own contact server. 
and your own calendar server that you maintain. And then NextCloud, you could share your, your calendar with other people. And you could basically build that backend that your phone would normally be syncing to by just simply using the services they provide. And that's a great use case because they're your contacts, it's your contact server. But of course, make sure you back it up because now the onus is on you. If you accidentally rm-rf everything, well, guess what? All your contacts, your calendar invites, everything is gone. So um, just handle that responsibly. Yes, absolutely. Once you lose the convenience of all these cloud service companies, uh, it is completely on you to manage, maintain, and back up all of that. So, hey, there's one more thing you get to talk about uh, or, or learn when you're building these servers is how to back all this up. So, you know, we've talked about that in previous episodes. It's yep. one more thing. This is this is kind of a culmination of a lot of different things functioning down to one. So uh, this is probably a great project to start with to figure out where your knowledge gaps are on setting up stuff in Linux. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree completely. So I think that's probably everything I could think of to talk about. Yep. Um, I know there's going to be something, there always is, but I think that's a well-rounded. Yeah. Maybe we well-rounded covered it. Uh, I'll leave links below to Jay's current videos on NextCloud, and we'll revisit uh, the show notes at a future date if there's a new video. Uh, we've been trying to do that is go back and refactor all the notes uh, on different things when there's new versions available. But always, yeah, you're going to get the latest updates from uh Jay's yep. channel, Learn Linux TV, or on my channel, um, Lawrence Systems, or of course, I have uh, my YouTube channel where you'll be able to find everything and search for the latest versions of it. Sort by date in YouTube. <laughs> Not only that, but if I do have the newer version, I will literally put in the title, if you're looking at the old version, yes. new version available. So you'll know there, there's going to be no question when I have it out. So Yep. All right. Well, all show notes below, and we'll thank once again, Lino, for sponsoring this, and uh, see you guys next time. Take care. Thanks.